Hey Authority Hackers, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. I hope your Christmas has been jolly and you are slowly recovering from the feast you've probably had. I don't know about you, but right now, all I can think about after Christmas is over is about 2021, my resolutions and how I'm going to make it a better year than 2020. I don't think it's going to be very hard. And I know a lot of you probably are in that case and a bunch of you are considering starting new sites for this new year. And that's why we essentially put this podcast together. In order to celebrate the launch of the Authority Site Systems 3.0, which is launching next Sunday, so you'll be able to get your hands on it, then we are actually taking a bunch of stuff that we put in the link building section of that new course, and we are going to be discussing it today for free on the podcast and kind of like sharing our ideas on how to build the first 100 links to a brand new website. And usually these first 100 links make a big difference, right? It's like, I see it when we have a new site without links and then we build even 50 links or something, then the rankings tend to skyrocket. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily like <laughs> tons of money at the beginning because it's still a new site, but you can definitely see a lot of money in the search rankings and things actually happening. And usually that's a massive boost to our motivation. So we think it's quite an important topic. So if you are considering building new sites, if you are curious about what is inside the Authority Site Suite System 3.0 that will be available on Sunday, then stay tuned. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Authority Hacker Podcast. Today is going to be an episode where we kind of like showcase a little bit of the new Task 3.0. So you can see that we did the niche research and finding a niche in 2021 a couple of weeks ago. We put a bunch of our Christmas and New Year stuff in between, but now we're going to be talking about actually link building for new sites. And it's kind of a difficult thing to do building links to a brand new site, but it's also a very important thing to do. I personally have noticed that, especially the first like 100 links to a website, tend to have like an oversized effect to its rankings. It really goes from nowhere to actually ranking for some stuff quite quickly. And sometimes some sites that I see ranking are just a little bit old and have like 100 links and they're doing quite well. So yeah, the first few links are really important and the types of links you're building also kind of like set the tone to Google on what level of quality you're going to be building here. So it's quite important to do this properly. And so that's why we wanted to take the time to talk about this today, how to build links to new sites in 2021. And since Mark did the link building module, he is going to be mostly talking and I'm here to just, he literally told me, interrupt me before the podcast. So I'm going to do that. People can rage in the comments. That's okay. Uh, but anyway, I see that Mark has stolen some accessories from BB. So how's it going, Mark? It's going good. I've got some new accessories. <laughs> this was my my main Christmas present this year. So uh, yeah, all things are are going well in well, the Webster You have a very generous family, I can see. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Was, was Santa Claus good to you, Gail? I don't, I don't do Christmas presents that much, to be frank. It's don't like I, do Christmas presents. Oh, dear. Not really. I, in France, I tell that. Like, when I go back to France, I, I didn't go back this year because obviously it's a bit complicated to fly back and come back this year. But usually when I go, I tell people not to buy me presents and I will not buy them presents. And I kind of like, I do buy presents, but I buy presents in a different way. I buy presents that actually make an impact on people. So, like, my sister was out of a job. I bought her a MacBook Pro, for example. And it's like, well, here's a $2,000 present that's going to make an impact in your life. But I'm not going to buy you like a Christmas present every year or something stupid like that. So I make presents that like people need at the Just right time. Just want to point out, you've never bought me a Christmas present in the 11, 12 years we've known each other. Well, now you not know once. why. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't do Christmas presents. It's more like... If you need something like, oh, like if I feel the opportunity for something that will really make an impact, then I get a gift to someone, regardless of the time of the year. 
but it's quite rare. It's like something, even to my sister, it's something that happens every like three to four years or something like that. So, but it's going to be a big thing, you know, it's like it makes a big impact or something like this. I took my mom for two weeks in Croatia and around the Central Europe as well. Like that was one of my gifts a couple of years ago, for example, like I paid for everything and that was my gift. So it's like, it's more like that. I just don't like the bullshit presents under the, the Christmas tree. I think it's a waste of time and money, especially when a lot of people struggle for money. I think it's stupid, you know? Guys, if you're watching this on YouTube, <laughs> leave a comment. Let me know. Let us know what you think of Gail's gift giving strategy. Do you agree with it or do you have some festive spirit yourself? Let us know. I mean, I'm saying that it's like we're OK financially, but it's like not everyone in my family has like a ton of money. And so it's like seeing them buying dozens of presents to people, etc., when there's things that they would need in their lives and they don't get feels like a massive waste of opportunity for them. And so I don't want to encourage that as well. And I've always lived like that. So it's, it's more like that. But like, I do spend on gifts, but they're, they're usually consequent and very rare. I feel like we could develop this concept yeah. into an entire episode of a, a philosophy yes. podcast. But that's not why people point. are here, right? So anyway, I hope people's Christmas was good. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> let's jump into link building. That's going to be less awkward. All right, let me take this off because I actually have to bend down. So otherwise, you know, I'm not in the frame correctly. I think so. if people share that with their boss as well, it's better if you don't worry, you know. So anyway... Link building for new sites. Let's say, let's say I can only do one thing. Let's say I have like two hours a week to do link building. I really don't have much time. I have like two jobs or whatever. Like people are really struggling trying to build this up. What's the like the best 80-20 thing I can do for link building? So two hours a week or two or two hours a day? What which do you say, sorry? Two hours a week. Two hours a week. Oh, that is not much time at all. You would be best pressed to start doing link building with Harrow, which is how we start all of our new sites link building. And there's a, a very specific reason for that. Just to explain what Harrow is to new viewers or people who aren't familiar, Harrow stands for help a reporter out, or maybe it's just help a reporter. I, I never could quite figure that out. Helperreporter.com is the URL. You basically sign up for free to their email list and you'll get three emails per day from mostly journalists or other web publishers and they'll be asking questions. Each, each of these emails can have 50 to 100 different questions about all sorts of topics. I picked a few examples from today's email. Uh, one of them was, what's the difference between a computer virus and a, a worm? Computer worm. This was for a site, Motley Fool, which is DR89, which is phenomenal. That would be a really, really good link to have. And then there's another one, how can HR improve the remote work experience? And this was for Thrive Global, which is a DR86 website. And uh, that reminds me, I need to message our link building team and make sure we respond to that because we're a remote company. We have a lot of experience uh, with it, with this kind of stuff. And I believe the question was asking for what processes, what tools do you use? Things like that. Isn't everyone a remote company in 2020? Well, that's the thing. <laughs> you can be as creative as you want in determining whether you're suitable to, to answer these questions. Sometimes they'll say, oh, I'm looking for a doctor to answer this question, which you obviously, yeah, I don't know. at least neither of us would be able to. But there's really a lot of general questions out there, which is looking for you asking about general business experience, how to pick a business name is a one that comes up quite a lot, or have you had experience doing XYZ activity or traveling to this place? So what they're really looking for, because at the end of the day, a journalist can just go to Google and figure out what the difference is. They're not looking for the, the answer per se. They're looking for an expert or someone with experience of the topic to provide a quote and ideally some kind of personal 
reference or anecdote or story which they have dealing with this topic, right? So that when you answer the questions, you have to come at it with that mindset. Don't just go away and Google the question and you know put the Wikipedia copy something from Wikipedia and say yeah. you're not going to get results that way. If you look at the successful harrows that go out there, they're almost always uh, feature some kind of personal story and then they link they'll link back to you and your website and they'll mention mention your name. So they're, they're looking to provide like a human side to a story, which is I believe the the main intention of 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 the platform. Would you would you answer queries that are not related to your niche but you can answer personally? Because it's like let's say they talk about business. Like let's say you run a site, a paintball site. Everyone's running a paintball site in this podcast. It's like like and there's a question about business. You can assume your your paintball site is a business basically. And so can you answer all business queries? Because of that, you can't answer all business queries, but you can certainly answer a, a lot of business queries. Yeah. So the way I classify it is, you have a, a specialist topic uh, about what your website's about. Let's say paintball, and you definitely want to be answering all paintball questions. And if you go one level up, maybe like I don't know, outdoor activities, something, you could maybe answer a good percentage of those as well. You probably wouldn't want to be answering, I don't know, a tennis question or a parenting question in, in that case, unless it was about your kids playing paintball. But because those are, are different specialist topics, but there are generalist topics, which would be things like business, potentially like some health stuff or psychology-based stuff that comes comes up quite a lot, like how to stay motivated, how to start a business. Travel comes up a lot. There are even some finance ones, personal finance ones that comes a lot comes up a lot. And I don't know. I have quite a strong interest in in personal finance. Personal finance. And I have money, so I can answer, you know. Don't have a personal <laughs> finance website or or anything. So would you answer a personal finance question for your paintball site? Potentially, yes. And okay. we've done this many times where we've actually gotten links in these these Harrow responses, which are on a finance uh, type topic, just because of this exact situation. So 100%, yeah, you would do it. Obviously, you want to prioritize things. So yeah, do your specific niche examples first. And then if there are none of those, go one down. And then if there are none of those, go more general. I would say it's possible to do that. But I would say also, if all the links you get are like business Business links to a paintball site is a bit of a problem too, probably. Yeah. Like, it's probably one of these, uh, like, maybe if 20, 25% of your links are like off uh, topic, it's fine. But if like 70% of your links are off topic, I think it's going to be a bit of a relevance problem. You need some links from paintball sites too, if you have a paintball uh, site. It's almost like initially you want to call. So it's like it, you do want all the paintball links too. If you don't have enough, then I think I would not go off topic. It depends on what your link profile looks like, I would say. It also depends on how broad your niche is, right? Paintball is very, very narrow. And I don't actually recall ever seeing a paintball query on Harrow. Not that I've been looking for them. I'm sure there are a few. But if you're in a more a broader niche like health or gym accessories, something to like get a bit more specific, then you have loads of inquiries. Like stuff's going to crop up every week. So target those first. But I would say that Harrow is not necessarily like about relevancy per se because you have to remember as well that you're getting links almost exclusively just to your homepage so you're not targeting it in any way and they're they're going to be branded anchors at best or maybe even have your name as the the anchor text you want to use stop something like guest posting or another link building technique where if you want to push you know a specific page 
uh, with anchor text and, and kind of like send some of those those signals. But from a domain to domain relevancy perspective, your point is certainly certainly valid. And why did you pick that over any other tactic for like people who don't have Titan? This is something that we start with on all our new sites now. The reason we do it like this is because Harrow, there's an upper limit to the amount of links you can acquire through through Harrow because there's only a set number of questions per day and realistically there's only going to be a handful that any one site can respond to each day. So that sets a cap on how much you can do and therefore the only way to do more is to have more days or have more emails or, or spend more time, total time, doing Harrow and kind of get the, the through that way. So for us, it makes sense to maximize that as early on as possible. When you think about outreach-based guest posting, per se, if we don't outreach to a site this month or next month, that's fine. We can outreach to them later in the year and we can still potentially get that link. But if we miss a Harrow opportunity today, then that's never coming back again Ever, uh, really. Some sites make like Harrow-based content and like they, they'll come regularly as well, I think. Like you might have some opportunities on some sites to get back, but you are going to miss some. What's the success rate, right? So basically the principle is like they send you an email, they ask a question, you answer the best you can, and then you kind of like tell them why you're relevant and hopefully they pick your answer and they link to you, right? What's the success rate? Like how many answers do you write to get one link? In the entire time we've been doing Harrow, it's hovering around 20%. So one in five responses gets a link. Now, it used to be about 16%, I think, but our percentage success rate has been going up over time as we've just gotten better at writing these and sort of started to learn which type of queries are resulting in links and not sending responses out to things, to queries, which are we don't really stand a chance of. So it's been going up, which, to be honest, surprised me a little bit because I know Harrow is becoming more and more popular I was with say, yeah. SEOs, online marketers as a link building strategy. Because we've talked about it a number of times on on this podcast. We we have a, I think we have a whole show about it. We'll maybe link to that for those of you watching on on YouTube. So it's evidently becoming more popular, but we're still managed to get get a higher percentage of links. So I don't know if there's just more. I don't know what the reason for that is, to, to be honest. It's a little bit counterintuitive, but it is what We've it is. We've done that on a new site as well, on the test site, the, the test case study site recently. And like, did we do a lot of it yet? No. So we've just been, we've done like three or four. Uh, so it's, okay. it's too early days to make any kind of judgment call My about My question that. though is like, do you think the success rate is is different based on the, like how old and established the site is? So do you think newer sites will struggle more? There's an element of truth to what you're saying there. It's not the specific age of the site. that It's not like someone's looking, oh, that site's 12 years old, this one's only four months old, I'm not gonna do that. That That's almost irrelevant. What they look at is they'll, they'll go to your website and they'll, they'll just have a quick glance at it and they'll make like that initial assessment. Does this look like a legit proper yeah, site? So it's and not if it's based a, on the DR. If it's like the default WordPress theme and, you know, there's no face behind it and like it's terrible and there's, there's loads of like pop-up spam or whatever, then eh, you might not be doing so well. But if you have like a, a nicely designed site, which is very easy to do these days with, you know, templates and things like Elementor, if you have something which just looks pleasant to the eye and your face is on there, you know, the same name as you're outreaching for or sort of rather responding to, to the hire with, your photos in there, maybe there's a link to your face, your Twitter, or social media. Just these small relevancy or small legitimacy signals count for quite a lot. So if you're having problems, it's probably 
one of those things doesn't doesn't quite stack up. Okay, what's the average link authority DR? Let's say like what, because you give like these are eighty plus examples. Well, is that what's the average like a random and also what's the worst link we got from Haro? <laughs> okay, so the average DR we've gotten since we've started Haro it has been fifty nine point five three. So basically DR, DR60, which is pretty reasonable. I think the highest one we had was from American Express, was DR91 or 92. And there have been countless ones in the in the high 70s and, and 80s as well. The worst one we've had, honestly, like Harrow's not that bad. You very rarely get a really bad link. The lowest DR one we've had is DR10, which is obviously very low, but it was still a legit website. It was uh, smallbusinessrainmaker.com which is, and they just had a blog it was a did we get a like spammy link a link you regretted you got like a link no, where you're like oh, never like never i, w I never. wish we didn't have that link pointing to our site never 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 i have seen them before quite often with harrow the publisher will post their brand name on the harrow query so you know where you're getting the link from and you can kind of suss them out that way often though or sometimes they'll they'll mark it as anonymous and it's just kind of random what, what happens generally the more legit sites the bigger publishers will post their their name so you, you kind of know what you're getting into they get more answers if they do they'll be getting yeah. away you can kind of like read between the lines sometimes if the questions like not very well thought through or worded properly then it's like uh, what's what's going on here it's always these boring questions right in online marketing like i remember the team asked me to answer something it's always like what is the best tactic of 2020 or what is it's like it's like please kill me now um, anyway, <laughs> but it's a grindy, like repetitive thing. You'll end up answering basically the same questions, same yes. like forty it's questions over and over again. But that's what people want, you know. But the good thing with basic is that even though you may not be an absolute expert in your niche, it's usually quite easy to answer these questions. Like it's not extremely technical or something like this. It's very rare that they actually look for like true experts that can talk about a very strong technicality of the niche. It's as I said for for like online marketing is gonna be like oh what's the best tactic of twenty twenty or something it's like right and I think most <laughs> most of our listeners in this podcast could probably you know give it a give a solid answer to to that question right you know you what I didn't know what to answer I just typed the question on Twitter and I was just looking at what people were tweeting yeah. <laughs> that's a that's getting... a really good tactic as well because remember I said at the end of the day they're looking for the human touch and yeah. like what people think not what the Google answer is for this so yeah. To consider that. Yeah. Anyway, to go back to the initial one, which was like uh, people who only have two hours a, a week, what yeah. does that work? So we spend on average about 20, 20 to 25 minutes doing each Harrow response. So you could realistically do one a day, uh, Monday to Friday, and spend two hours of your time. And that's five a week. Even with 20%, you're getting one link a week, which is 52 links a year, 52 DR60 links to a new site in 2021. You know, I'll take that. I think, yeah, I think that, was, that was start moving the needle. As, as you said, I wouldn't do that exclusively because yeah. you, you might like lose some relevancy and end up with a bunch of general links, which may hurt you in the, in the long run. But if you use this as like the base of your link building, I think it's it's solid. It really is. And there's yeah. almost no reason not to be doing this. I don't mind as much the links being a bit broad on the topic when they point to the homepage because the homepage Fair is enough. just for brand. And then the brand essentially, and then from the homepage, you usually link to your hubs or whatever. And you kind of like give context through the anchor text or through whatever is on the page itself. Obviously, not exclusively links that are not related, but you know, I'd be more lenient to the links that point to the homepage rather than like internal pages. So, like, you know, for example, 
like we're featured on Asana, for example, and it's the link to our homepage. So it's not it's not exactly related. I mean, Asana is like productivity to do list, etc. It's not really a Tori hacker. Like we don't talk about productivity, etc. And like doing things. Is it a bit business related, but not exactly? I would actually disagree with that. Although we're not a productivity company by any means, like we literally have a course around using Asana to manage your yeah, your writers, but like Google doesn't know right? that. Sure, but we we mention Asana numerous times throughout our our blog posts, throughout throughout our content. Uh, we mention it on this podcast, you know, once a month or something. Yeah, uh, just because we, we use it a lot, and it's a good tool that. It's a lot of online marketers use, so it's okay. It's like it's a fifty percent relevancy. Let's say, like, it's not the most relevant. Like, you know, a link from Ahrefs is more relevant. And we we have a lot of those, right? We answer a lot of questions about That's remote what I'm saying, work. I don't mind. We to answer the a lot of yeah. questions on Harrow about customer support and customer service because we've spent ages building really good systems for that, and we actually have some experience on it. So yeah, it's again, you know, it's like it's not black and white anyway. It's like a degree of relevancy, right? You, you yeah. probably a percentage number on each link is is kind of like my favorite way of grading it. Anyway, anything else to say on Haro? No. Okay. <laughs> so much suspense for such a flat ending. But anyway, let's talk about the next tactic. Like, okay, let's say you did you two hours a week of Haro. And I don't know, like uh, you, you have a, you had a client and he just dropped off and he decided he doesn't need your services anymore or whatever. And you get another four hours a week extra. What do you do? So almost exclusively, the second thing I would, I would start looking at would be guest posting. And when we say the word guest posting, it's such a broad topic and there's so many ways to do this that we really need to like get into the detail about what we mean because you know some pretty vocal people have have said that it sucks. Google has even said like at points like it's not such a good thing it's or over. don't do it. No, Matt can say guest posting is over, forget it. Yeah, point. this was like in 2012, I think it was. Ago. I remember yeah, I wrote a blog ago. post for our old company yeah, at the yeah. time about that and you know, it was over. It, trust me, it, it's not over. It hasn't been over since then. It definitely sounds like Star Wars, you know. Works. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I want to break this down. I'll try and be quick about it. Guest posting. There's four parts to this. You need to generate a list of prospects. That is people you're going to outreach to. You need to reach out to them. You need to talk to them, negotiate with them, and then you need to write the guest post and, and get it published. So to break each of those steps down, generating a list of prospects is, is where it all starts. It's actually like really easy. Uh, there's a large number of sites out there who take guest posts, accept them. They'll have a write for us or a page similar would to you write a write for, these for sites? us page. So I would, I, I, we do outreach to sites who have write for us pages. And I think that there are some people in the industry who say you should never do that. Yeah. It's too much of a, of, of a pattern. The longer I've been doing this, the more my philosophy on, on this kind of stuff is there's really no absolutes in, in SEO. I think in general, when you're doing link building, and we'll talk more about this a little bit later, is you have to apply some critical sense to what you're doing at all times. So blanket rules, you know, if the site's DR, 50 or higher, then it's fine. Like that's just not going to fly because most or a lot of sites DR 50 and above are, are good, but you get some atrocious, really bad DR 60, 70, 80 sites that you definitely wouldn't want guest posts on. So you have to look at the specifics. And DR is, is probably not the best metric when looking at the quality of a site. It's a broad indicator, but essentially DR is measuring the number of links which Ahrefs has measured pointing to, towards that. 
that site, which is multiplied by the authority. Yes, it's not really an ideal solution for this. So you need to look at a number of different factors, such as just does it go to the website? Does it seem like a legit site, or is it a, a drop domain PBN which someone's trying to? You know, get some free content for. Is there a real person behind it? Do they have their photo on there? Are they on social media? Is the site active? Have they been posting recently? Are all the posts they have on the site guest posts from casino companies, or are they actually contributing content to the site themselves? Go to Ahrefs or whatever your favorite keyword tool is, and see if they have traffic. If there's 50 visitors a month to the site and it's been penalized seven years ago, then you know. Probably not the best site to get get a link from, but if it has a hundred thousand, then and it still has a right for us page, then you know, just starting to look like a legitimate opportunity, right? Yeah, I don't know. It's like it can be, but I would still say that the right for us page is still a negative. Like, but then it needs to it can bait back by having good things, you know what I mean? But it's like I would say if that page is there, for sure they get spammed with emails. I would really scrutinize the content they're publishing. So you've picked up on an interesting point there. If they have a right for us page, because it's like the the de facto starting position for prospecting, and we still do do this approach, but because they, they have that, they're going to get a lot of requests, probably several per day, and a, a great deal of them are going to sound exactly the same, like, hey, I was checking out your website and I really enjoyed the content. I'd love to write a guest post for you. How about one of these three topics? Sincerely, Mark, or whatever. And a few years ago, that would, you know, you get a really good hit rate out of that. But more and more people Not doing so it these much. days. So you need to do things which are, are going to enable you to, to stand out. But I would argue that you need to do that anyway regardless of how you're finding the prospects. And, and even if they have a right for us page and they they can't wait to, to, to get guest posts on, on their site, they're probably going to have some kind of filter in place where they're only replying to the people who, you know, pique their interest the most, yeah. seem the most legit or stand out from the crowd. Because the two things I would look at for these sites, uh, first of all, I would put them in Ahrefs and I would look at the organic traffic. I would look that they haven't been penalized or something. And the second thing I like to look at for these kind of sites, well, I'm like, I'm like, they might be spammed, is I look at the top pages by links in Ahrefs. Uh, you know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for tier two links. I'm looking for people who spam their, like people getting guest posts and then spamming them, right? Because if I see that, like you can find these sites that are still okay for now, but get spammed because a lot of people do guest posts and they just put fucking GSX rumor, all that shit, like niche, niche edits and like hacked websites, things, etc. pointing to these pages. So if you find like average slash shitty pages with a lot of links pointing to them, looking at these links and being like, okay, how often does that happen, etc. Is this because otherwise you're essentially putting yourself on the place that's most likely going to take a hit, you know, in the next two years or something like it could take a while. That's why I'm saying two years. But so I, I tend to look at these two things if it's a place with a right for us page. And not only that, but you need to make sure that it doesn't happen after you've submitted your guest post as well. So it's like it's a it's a little bit of a tricky one. You want to make sure because I think also a lot of places kind of like have okay standards that at some point it slips and just like it becomes shit. So mm -hmm. I think it can work. I think there is places that are still good, but I think if I see this page, I'm extra careful. So the construct which is occurring here is the kind of SEO race to the bottom, right? If SEOs are aware of a place which is very easy to get links, to get good links, then very quickly all SEOs will be aware of that and they'll overuse it and it will become not a good place to get links on. So all that the Write For Us page is doing is that it's, 
potentially highlighting that you know, it's a big flag say, hey, come write a guest post here. And it's making that making it more aware to SEOs that. So the chance of of that site being further along that that race to the bottom process is is higher. But it's not because they have that page that they're there. It's just like an indicator. I personally think it's uh, it's, it's one of the best strategies for for newer sites to get guest posts because yeah, it, it can be somewhat challenging to land guest posts when you're a new site. And I sometimes struggle to explain why this is. My theory in the past used to be, oh, it's just a new site. You know, you haven't built up enough credibility authority. But sometimes we built like we build like really good looking sites with amazing content and for a, a quick glance someone looking at it they would not know that this was a, a relatively new site it, it looks like a, a, an established and author, authority site but even then for those those businesses in the early days it's challenging it's difficult to to get your first few guest posts even your first like 50 or so guest posts and then you just sort of like hit this point when I don't. I genuinely don't know what happens. It just beca- starts becoming really easy as your site kind of like gains more authority and, and, and grows. I don't think everyone's looking at your Ahrefs traffic and, and DR. And no. Maybe a few of Hell them no. are, but there's no way everybody's everybody. Especially sites that. you're linking to, you don't care. Like um, you just don't want them to be like spammy and shitty stuff and stuff that would embarrass you uh, if you're cut linking to it. But I don't think people care about your SEO metrics when they link to you at all. Like it doesn't matter. You, if you have like a really good site that's brand new and looks good, I think you have good chances of getting it. You want list. your the main thing you want to be communicating is that your content is going to be good. If they have a reason to doubt that it's going to be anything but amazing, they're probably going to ignore you or or you know not respond to your your mess your outreach message at all. But I just want to dial things back a bit because we, we talked about the right for us uh, plus keyword. As a, as a prospecting strategy, a way of, of finding sites to potentially reach out to. But there are others as well. The most effective I found is whenever you're doing any kind of prospecting, you'll come across certain sites. And if you look at who else is guest posting on there and you try and reverse engineer those people and, and figure out, okay, a person from site A has got a guest post here. And then you go and look at all the links to site A in Ahrefs and you can see where else they're getting links from. And you can organize that by date, DR and and whatnot. So you can try to find those prolific guest posters. And the people who are doing this a lot are generally the people who have the most experience with it and are are good at it. Not always, but, but generally speaking. So if you can start reverse engineering what they're doing, it can be a very easy way to find a lot of prospects who accept guest posts from you know good sites with, with with good content so that's a strategy that works particularly well i would say as well um, one other way to find people by reverse engineering is actually just looking at who's ranking in your niche and then just go in the backlinks report nature and you can sort for like wordpress english etc all that stuff like or do follow and so on and kind of like dig through that and essentially you can if they do guest posting just find them and then essentially just like make a list from the people that rank because what you know we were talking a lot about google like ignoring links and like it's a new way of penalizing people but if you find people who rank essentially you know that their links are not ignored right so i like the idea of looking at starting with the rankings and coming back to the links because you know that these links at least most of them or like a, a, a enough of them for it for this page to rank are counting in the eyes of Google. And so you can reverse engineer that way as well. So it's both ways. You both look at the sites and then you look also at your competitors as well. And a lot of them will do guest posting if it's a remotely competitive niche, I think. 
So I like to do that. And yeah, I think guest posting can be good. I'm just a little worried sometimes of the right for us pages. It's not a negative thing, but I'll be harder on the site that has that page. I just want to say as well for prospecting, we've actually used Ahrefs Content Explorer to find prospecting opportunities. And it, it's quite broad. If you're doing a kind of like shotgun spray and pray type outreach, sending a standard template message with little customization to lots of people, then it's actually quite a good way to build huge prospect lists. If you don't want to take that, if you want to be a little bit more targeted, you can still build a huge prospect list. You seem to like apply a bit more critical sense and, and filter it down to find like the most relevant relevant sites. But uh, it's really good for building those big lists. Once you have that prospect list, <laughs> sorry, I, I wanted to I wanted to go to the money. Sorry, I thought you were done. You're all about the money, Gail. You can't wait to talk about that. Mm, yes. Before we before we get to that though, once you have the prospect list, you obviously need to reach out to them. I think this is where most people fall down because SEOs, online marketers figure out how to build a prospect list, working with Google Sheets and scrapers and Ahrefs and stuff, like we can all figure it out, right? But for some reason, we as an industry can't seem to figure out what to say when we we talk to people. Don't necessarily know why, why that is, but the quality of outreach message hasn't really gone up in the last five years or so. In fact, if anything, I would say the quality's decreased just because more people are are doing it and they've they've kind of like copied other people's templates but not quite as well. And you know gone. why? It's because the new the innovators start first. The people who are like, you know, ahead of the time start first. And now it's kind of like coming to the masses doing this stuff. And to be frank, a lot less refined people. I mean I see the outreach messages I, I receive and it's like it's almost like people took the words they wanted to say and just shake it and just like send the email and then it's just like everything's just all over the place. So yeah, that's why I think. Yeah. You have to think about it from the site owner's perspective, right? I mean, you see it. We get sometimes over a dozen emails a day from people asking for guest posts or links or, or whatever. And really they all start to blend in and, and sound the same after after a while. I know you've spent a little bit of time replying to some of the more outrageous ones with uh, <laughs> with crazy demands. Maybe I'll put some screenshots to put on the podcast so that people can see. Well, yeah, I have fun. Like I try to trade chips for links and stuff like that. Like I'm just having fun with it. And it's like, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. If you put yourself in, in the perspective of, of a site owner, it's very easy to imagine how just quickly you would start ignoring all of these because you mentally categorize them all as like spammers, as, as the same. Uh, they're not really like adding any value or, or, or anything. So because they have, but this can actually work to your advantage because they have this mental classification going on, you really don't need to do much in order to stand out in some way uh, with your with, with your outreach message. So what we've started doing a lot recently, and um, there's BB, uh, the link builder, gave a really good talk at the recent SEO Mastery Summit and, and outlined some some of these these things specifically. But and one thing she she did in there, which we've experimented with a bit as well, is is using puns in your your outreach message. So if you wanted to outreach, like say for a paintball site, your subject line, rather than saying like, hi, quick question about link building or whatever, you could say, I just witnessed a guy getting shot with a paintball gun. And that's your subject line. Immediately you read that and it's like, wait, what? what's going on here? This, this is kind of interesting. It makes you want to open that. And then the first line, rather than saying, hi, Mark, can I have a guest post? It would be, he died on impact. That's died, D-Y-E-D. Uh-huh. <laughs> Okay, so waiting, for, right. waiting for the penny to drop there. <laughs> it's D-Y-E-D, so, right? Yeah. yeah. So how many other people do you think are outreaching, making that joke. are outreaching with a dad <laughs> joke like that? 
probably not very many. And you would be amazed at the amount of people who will respond favorably yeah, no. to this, going as far as to call out other people who are, are just being very bland and say, oh, you certainly stand out or you gave me a chuckle on a, on a Monday morning kind of kind of thing. And there are, there are many other ways to, to approach this, but that is an example of, of, of how to stand out. It's absolutely crucial if you want to get good links from from. You from know what works really well as well is uh, memes and images because it's like, yep. you know, you go through your email and it's like your archive, 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 I mean, or delete or reporter spam for that matter. And it's all text, right? Pretty much all of it is text. But if you have like an image that's like bright color or something, it's going to stop you from scrolling or something. And you're going to check the image without reading the message. But the images work quite well, actually. So I would say I would include images. I wouldn't try to do some creepy personalized image or something. I don't think it matters. Yeah, that much. I saw the, like, there, there's a tool called Lamlist, which has a, yeah, a feature yeah. to do that. And I think Hunter is even trying to develop it. Like people seem to be I don't like crawl, crawling over this feature, but it, I, I've never seen it used effectively. And I, I, I don't know too many people. I think it's about putting like a meme and having a good recovery from it and all like transition to what is interesting to you. It's like, it's more about that than like having people's name on it or something like that. Like, if you have a website, you know how this works. Like, I mean, like merch fields, etc. Like, you're not an idiot. You know exactly what they're doing. And I can spot these from a million miles away. So, for example, people, a lot of outreach to get on the podcast, right? But we very rarely do guests. It's usually us. Like, really, like 90% plus is, is us. And uh, when people outreach and say, like, oh, I like all the people you're interviewing and all the guests and they're so great, etc. I'm like, you don't listen to the podcast. You're full of shit. And, um, and you can tell really quickly. So, and I think most people feel that way for their site. They know what makes them special. And it's hard unless you're really involved. It's easy to misfire. And I think the loss of conversion rate from misfiring will easily make up for the increase in conversion rate from the stuff that actually hits. So it's not a huge fan of mega personalization. I'd rather something funny that you tell everyone, to be honest. One strategy, particularly for new sites, which I think is, is really important when you're doing guest posting, is do whatever you can to have at least one very good, very high quality guest post, like very well written article that looks beautiful on a nicely designed site, preferably like higher, higher DR. And I know it's like, well, you have to get, it's kind of, it's kind of like you have to get links in order to be able to get more links. So how do we get the first one? But if you have to beg, steal, borrow, talk to someone, you know, like harass them on social media, don't actually harass them, but like really get get to know them in the site owner in in some way and so you're, you're not like a total stranger coming in with this this request and just get this guest post it's a goal that we set every time we have a, a new site that we do a, a link building campaign for as one of the earliest goals is get this one like north star guest post because when we're outreaching we can send this as an example like hey this is the kind of stuff we've we've done and if they look at it, they're again going to take a, an initial snapshot, quick impressions. They're like, oh, is this a good site? Does this look legit? How's the content? Scroll through it like very quickly, maybe. They're, they're probably not going to read it all, but that's not the point. Having this guest post will add a lot of credibility to you. And what I said earlier about them being most concerned about you not being able to write good content, if you have this, it kind of alleviates that in some way. So I think also telling them like, look, it's like, I'm not just going to write like 500 words, et cetera. Let's build an actual SEO page for your site, et cetera. Like, let me target a good keyword for you. I, I actually looked at your site. You could target this keyword. I think it's realistic for you to rank for it. I'm going to optimize this on Safari SEO, whatever you have. Like if you have phrase from AppSumo or something, I'm going to do all these things for you. And if you, and the thing is like, what's really powerful with this is like, if you, instead of doing a guest post, you build an SEO page for people trying to literally rank them for a keyword. 
you can convince them to add internal links to that page so that it ranks, right? But what it does is it juices up your links too, right? So it's like you can kind of kill two birds in one store as well. Going to people be like, you know what? What I do is I do SEO. Like I follow these fucking authority hacker guys, etc. And I or whoever, Brandin, whoever you want, Neil Patel. <laughs> I need to <laughs> whoever you are, but like this is what I do, and I'm gonna do that for you for free. What I get out of it is a link. It doesn't cost you anything. It helps my site rank for this other keyword, which we're not competing against you. And I want to rank you for that keyword. All you have to do is maybe point some links to that page. Is going to hopefully rank for that keyword. I don't think that would be a good outreach message. So, the way I, I segment things psychologically is there's a, a get your foot in the door type email, and if you yeah, go yeah, in yeah. Ex- like it's not like your initial outreach. It's more like if the you go in, talking. yeah, if you go in explaining that oh, this is everything you're going to do in your initial outreach, people will just be like, well, nah. you know, they're like, what's the catch? You, if you you got to you got to kind of you got to warm them up a little bit before you you give the detailed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree. I wouldn't. I would go through that, but like after that, then it's kind of like upgrading your guest post because if you're like, well, if you're going to rank that page, it'd be great if you had an internal link from this page and this page and this page, and then when you can get an external link, point to this page, da da, etc. You know, we don't have a process for that at the moment, but I now have it in my head that that's something we need to do is to go back over all of our links that we've gotten before. If we can find some way to like stat, like check the check how they're ranking for the main keywords and then suggest internal link opportunities for them as a way. Hey, did you know your your number four? If you add some more internal links, how about this from here, here and here? you might get to number one or onto page and not only one. That, you can do that. You can say, I, what I will do is uh, add these five internal links. And what I'll do is like, next time I get a guest post, I'll actually link to that guest post as well with the right anchor text so that I can actually like help you rank as well. So you get some external links, some internal links, and you have a chance to rank, right? And it's like, you're addressing your link again. Essentially, you do tier two link building to your own link. But at the same time, like, you know what I mean? Like you're doing SEO for many sites and you build that kind of net, etc. And if you do that with multiple people, you can even say like, look, I actually have my friend over there. He can link to your page if you, and you're going to rank up for that keyword and you link to this page for him and he ranks for that keyword. And both these pages have your link or whatever. So there's a lot of like, kind of like network effect you can do through that. It's more like as the second email. It's more once they've accepted and then you're like, okay, let's make a plan. Let's make something cool, especially for the big ones. I think I think it would work quite well. Like when we started Atari Hacker, I was doing this kind of stuff, right? It's like I, I used to, I did the pop-up on Entrepreneur on Fire, for example, talking to him, etc., to help him. And he doubled his leads in like in like three days or something. So I used to do literally free work for links and that, that worked quite well for me. But money. <laughs> money. I want to talk about money so because people ask about money. When we started doing link building for authority sites in like 2013, we'd done link building before as, as our agency. But when we started doing it for authority sites, at least the white hat stuff, very few sites were asking for money or those that were, you could almost like negotiate around it by saying, I'm going to give you really good content. But it's like as more people have come to realize the value of good links and as more people have started doing outreach, then sites have obviously become aware that they can, th- there's there's some value in, in linking out and sites are willing to pay for that. You have a lot of agencies, especially these days, who have you know budgets for each client's link building and whether they spend the money on the content or um, the you know people doing outreach or just paying a site 50 bucks for a link, it doesn't really make too much difference to them. So that's become a thing. Also, there's been very little in the way of, or almost no, nothing in the way of penalties towards sites buying links yeah. or sites selling links. It's at such a colossal scale that if 
If Google penalized every site buying and selling links, I don't think there would be much of an internet left. I mean, there'd still be a lot of big, bigger sites out there because they're obviously not doing this, but it would cut out like a big chunk of the, the middle, I, I think. Yeah, I think that we live in a world where now paid links are just normalized a lot more than they were before because of Google's lack of action. Like you go on Facebook groups, like not really many people are posting about, oh, about links and I got penalized. Even buying shitty services, etc. I'm very surprised, right? It's like, you know, you go on Black Hat World and or stuff like that. People still sell fucking crazy link wheels and stuff like that. It's like, and first of all, it can work because we showed that in the link building uh examples, but Google doesn't seem to be hitting that many people with that, or I'm missing all the messages. If you know about people that report these, I'd be quite curious, but what happened is slowly, because there's no repression, it's kind of like if nobody was checking the speed limit on on the road, you know, like eventually people realize and just like start going a little bit faster, a little bit faster, a little bit faster. Eventually everyone is like 200 on the highway, you know, and uh, that's exactly what's happening right now because of Google's lack of action. Actually an interesting analogy because there are speed limits and they are enforced, at least in in most countries to differing um, effectiveness. But every single person in the world speeds at some point. The speed limits are not necessarily limits per se either, because the police, as soon as you're, if the, if it's seventy miles an hour, they don't penalize you if you're doing seventy-one miles an hour. They have a, yes. a, a kind of buffer 10%. in there, a bit, a bit of leeway in there, so you can kind of like push the boundaries a, a little bit and still be okay. I don't know how we got into talking about speed, but yeah, or how that applies to, to link building. <laughs> I like how you just, um, I like how you just took it and you just don't know what's going. Yes, I agree. It's kind of like it's guidelines, but I think Google is a little bit like that too, in the sense that like it's like there's these ways where they will accept a paid link if it's like, all like incentivized links, etc. I mean, like come on, like YouTubers receive receive products to review and things like that, and like eventually they post a review on their site. There's a link. It's kind of incentivized. It's again, but like Google's really not probably even gonna publicly go against that. So there's a little bit of that here, but essentially, like now we're several years in, right? Where literally very few people have been caught, and everyone's just going at 200 on the highway. And uh, I'm telling you, as, as should, someone should who we go faster that, than girl? Should we? Should we join them? Well, I'll tell you when I get my driving license, but I failed last time, so uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe you're not the best person to ask about this. Actually, exactly. Maybe, um, <laughs> yeah, it's the wrong analogy. But anyway, lots of people are paying for links now, even people who have legit sites. And because Google is quite, gives you a lot of freedom in terms of just disavowing your links and then just like, okay, it's fine. Then if you were speeding on the highway, it's as if, uh, it's as if you were just canceling your last five minutes and then you just don't get caught anymore and you just get back to, uh, to the traffic. It's essentially what Google does with the disavow tool. You can disavow your paid links and then it's as if nothing happened, right? And so that's why in the current state of things, I am personally pro paying for links at this point. Uh, we're not doing it, and but I I am trying to convince you to do it. Actually, if we if we talk about internal discussions, I do believe that in 2021, a lot of people are going to pay for links. So, like 100%, we're going to pay for some links in, in 2021. Like not for Authority Hacker, we'll try it on a new site or we'll test it two new sites or something and see see what happens. But up until this point, since since 2013, when we started doing Authority sites. We've never paid for a single link in terms of like the, the sponsorship fee or, or stuff. We've obviously paid people to do outreach and paid for tools and, and stuff. That is what I mean by, by paid links. But we've never done it. And I think we've proven that you can certainly grow some very large authority sites w- without doing it. I'd also say that once you get to a certain threshold, you know, your DR 60, 70, 
unless you're in like a super competitive affiliate niche like credit cards or something and and even then I, so I would, page I would, I would, you still pay yeah I would question the effectiveness of this kind of, of link building in, in, in general past a certain point so for like authorityhacker.com for example I still don't to, think we would ever, ever to a pay given for, page we should do it yeah it's like we have pages that would rank much higher if we did like 20 guest posts to it and like we just paid like we just paid for the best size we can do, regardless of whether we pay or not. We just get 20 links to it with the exact match. I mean, Adam Freud is, I don't know if he pays or not. I, I have no data about it, but that's basically what he does. And he's fucking killing it, you know? I think uh, the Adam and Freud approach is more doing the, that, the that trading, kind of yeah. link, link building cabal thing, right? Where I know, you, but like what he does is he gets, he's pretty high DR. He's the same DR as us at this point. And yeah. he releases and a new he page with like 20 to 30 guest posts. A half ago or something, which is crazy. So Yeah, but like, you know, he's not going to be like, oh, I'm good. I'm high enough DR. I don't need to do this. He creates yeah. a new page and he goes and he gets like 30 to 50 links to it with the exact yeah. match and context he wants. And he ranks for it, you know? So I think uh, I disagree with you on the like, uh, oh, you're high DR enough. You don't need to do that. This is good enough for like low level, easy keywords. But like... Anything that's actually worth money, like, no, 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 no. You need to do that regardless of your DR, you know? You think NodeWallet is not building links? I think it, no, I mean, I think it depends on the sort of like competitiveness of the keywords you're, you're, you're targeting. Yeah. Um, I use the example of like a credit card affiliate site. Like there's, when there's dozens or hundreds of very strong, very rich affiliate sites, like competing over a few very valuable keywords, like when every little thing you can do kind of counts. I mean, to be honest, we haven't. That's not been our our SEO strategy with with Authority Hacker. Like, we have yeah, yeah, yeah. more like I don't more want to pay for this Authority Hacker to be honest. Yeah, so I, I just don't think it's a good idea. I think it's too far too risky for a site like that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I, do I, it. I, don't I, wouldn't, want, I mean, Authority Hacker it. doesn't matter. Now, it's like it's more like people engaging with us. But on like a pure affiliate with, site, where it's like you rank your bank and you don't rank, you make nothing. Yeah. Yes, I, I would say. In these cases, I would recommend paying for links, but I would recommend being even more strict on the links you pay for than the links you don't pay for. And it's not about like, okay, open all the valves, get all the links you can, etc. It's actually increasing your standards and using money so that you can match these standards while maintaining a decent enough volume. I think if you do it from that point of view, your chances of getting in trouble are extremely low. Today. And at, at present, at least, if you do get in trouble, you can just disavow them and disavow, get yeah. out get out of trouble anyway. So make a spreadsheet and like you know keep a log, and it's pretty easy, you know. Ma- Especially because when you get sheet, a manual but... penalty, well, just do it on Evernote or something. If you have a manual penalty, Google gives you examples of links that are problematic, actually. So it's quite easy, and then you can do multiple rounds as well of disavow. So you can just disavow similar links exactly to what they gave you. And then you can kind of expand a bit, et cetera. And it's like, it's kind of a guesswork, but you know, it's like uh, you, the sites that like several years ago got penalized because I literally can't think of like very, very recent big ones that got penalized that did that. And, and they still ranked after the disavow after all of that much higher than they would have if they never paid for links, you know? And they so, made a ton of money at the time they were ranking the, the first time off of them as well. So. Yeah. So I, I would prefer a world where people don't pay for links, but Google has created a world with no repression where essentially paying for links is becoming like one of the most viable solution, but it does mean you have to pay for all your links as well. Yeah, you do have to be careful that you're applying good critical sense and and checking that these sites are legit. Uh, A really common thing I see is there will be a site, usually a drop domain, someone's rebuilt it, and they yeah, take a bunch that. of guest posts. Like all, like the last fifty posts are from casinos and CBD sites, and and just a bunch of, you know, 
semi nefarious stuff and so it creates this sort of like bad neighborhood effect and it's not something you can necessarily catch from hrefs or from any metric so you have to go in and, and check these things in, in, in pretty I wouldn't pretty do that detail. but again when we check the links to these CBD sites remember yeah like they had links from these kind of like sites with poll links etc and still right yeah. right so I think that's why it's like if you use that to increase your standards and really go for the, the really high quality sites, I think your chances of getting into basically, you know, Google's catching the bottom twenty percent when they do a big update, you know, and your chances. I don't, of I don't even think it's now. bottom twenty percent. I think I I don't think that people are getting hit at all these yeah, days. At all. For, yeah, at all. All I'm saying is like even it. when they do an update, if they did one, mm -hmm. usually they they catch this kind of stuff first before they catch the more subtle stuff that would look like an organic link, you know. So yeah, if you want to do it very clean though, you know, like Karuf told me, he basically did a test that radical sponsor links past link juice. Are the same as do follow links? Yes. Okay. So if you buy into that, you can literally pay for links and have really cool sponsored on your links. Hope for a ranking increase. Obviously, it gives the power to Google to tune these down whenever they want because you're flagging the link, right? But if you want it, like stay above board because Google said you can incentivize sponsored links, right? Like if you if you flag it, you're allowed. And if you believe that it actually increases your rankings, according to Karuf, which has a pretty good tra track record of trying things, then you can essentially white hat by links, you know? So if you want to be like, let's say you're like a really like, a, you know, a corporate entity that really just wants zero risks with your SEO, etc. I would do that. I would buy really cool sponsored links. I would, I would ask people to add the tag on my links. I am following 100% Google's guidelines and I'm hoping that it actually helps my rankings, you know? So to sum this up, we're going to buy links next year on at least one new site yeah. that we're, we're going to be starting in, in 2021. So we will report back a little bit on um, some of those numbers. One question that comes up a lot, and I had Jason Malone on the podcast about a year and a half ago, and he and his agency buys quite a lot of links. So he went into some detail about the negotiation of that. And generally speaking, you, my understanding is that they'll they'll quote you a price and they usually just pluck it from the Thing air bargain, and you can yeah. knock it down 75, 80% before you, you settle on, on, on something. So it's, it seems, it seems to be quite negotiable, but we don't really have any data on that ourselves. And uh, when we do, we'll we'll try and share a little bit more. Sounds about like that a cheap uh, Chinese market, you know, when you go and buy stuff yeah. and you know they, they quote you the tourist price and you, you bargain down. Well, um, I think that like a lot of site owners don't really know the value of these things, and the value yeah. is different to each individual site. So they, it's not no, of no benefit if of they put it too low. If they say it's too high, then you always negotiate them down. But there might be an agency that's like, oh, four hundred dollars, no problem, we'll pay for that once every so often so i'm looking forward to try that on links to page you know like that one page for that one keyword getting some exact match and context etc which you yeah, struggle yeah. to get organically i think it's gonna make a big difference actually like uh let's see let's see what happens i'm gonna try roller coaster sponsor links as well like uh, i'm curious about this i think this is especially true in the early days like it's gonna balance out that generic less relevant less targeted yep. harrow link juice with something which is like super super focused in, in that in that way so Let's wrap up guest posting. Anything else on guest posting? Yeah, I want to talk about link exchanges as well because that's been something we've done, I wouldn't say a lot, but like from, from time to time it, it comes up. And it's actually okay to do these. I think in the uh, Google guidelines it says that like excessive guest posting with keyword-rich anchor text is not okay, which implies that as long as it's not excessive and doesn't, it's not like two keyword keyword rich anchor text, then you're fine. So if someone suggests that, then don't immediately say no to it. I would strongly consider it from time to time. Obviously, don't make this your only tactic and don't like scale the shit out of it. But 
yeah, it's it's something you can if you do it a little bit same like if you're doing this for a new site, it's unlikely that they're going to want to to do it. But if this is not your your only site, you can do like a, a three way thing. So they link to your your site and you link to them from another site. A little bit cleaner and just a way of you doing it. If you have a, another site which has higher DR, these things happen naturally so much that it's like it's really not a problem. You know, it's like imagine like Ahrefs linking to us, we link to SEO Rush and SEO Rush. SEO Rush linking to Ahrefs probably not, but like to link to MadDigity and MadDigity links to Ahrefs doesn't like that makes sense. You know, when it comes to actually creating the content for guest posts. I mentioned that there's a few times when you want to make it really, really good and either in those cases, write it yourself or have your, your own writer do it. But honestly, a lot of the times websites are just looking for a thousand word list post, which is pretty competently written. And in those cases, we use word agents. It's a content production agency a lot for, for that kind of content. They're fast, they're reliable, they have they're pretty good topic experts and the quality has been good for the last six years or something. So they're a pretty good so solution for that if you guys want to check them out. I think they start from about six cents per word, depending on quantity and stuff. Um, we don't get paid to to say this. We just, those are who, those are, that's the company we use. So if you guys want to check them yeah. out, you can do so. They're good for support content as well. If you need some yeah. quick support content for stuff, it's quite good as well. Okay, guest posting. Yeah, I think we spent about 45 minutes talking about guest posting, but- That's what I'm saying, can, but anything else? You, you need to spend quite a, quite a lot of time on it when you first start to like figure out how you're doing prospecting, to craft your outreach messages. There'll be a bit of trial and error there as well. Once you get into the full sort of swing of, swing of things, it's very easy to, you know, get a couple guest posts a week, spending an hour a day or so doing out outreach. Like, very, very easy. And the more attention you spend on it, the the like more exponentially it it can kind of scale because you get big efficiencies in your prospecting, in your outreach. You start outsourcing content that saves a lot of time as well. So it's a really good link building strategy. Even if Matt Cut said seven years ago that it's not and it's dead and stop doing it, I wouldn't stop doing it. I mean, a lot of people that do really well are doing it. Let's talk about the last one. What's the last one? So the last one is Skyscraper. And I, I put this last because this is something which typically we will plan a site with this in mind. So like the first 10 articles we create for a new site are info Skyscraper articles. And it gives us the opportunity to acquire these links quite quickly. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best link building strategy for everyone to do like to begin with, because it's a little bit more complex and it can be a little bit more punishing if you're not really on the ball because you're not so much ask, you're not so much providing something of value to them when you're, you're asking for a skyscraper link like you are with a, a guest post. Just explain really quickly what skyscraper link building is. You essentially find a high keyword difficulty question or info keyword on Ahrefs has a re really good uh, function. I think it's called is it questions in their keyword explorer and high keyword difficulty essentially means that a lot of people are linking to the pages ranking on page one of the SERP. Keyword difficulty in Ahrefs is only that actually. It's only yeah. based on links to page. Yeah, links to the the top 10 of the of the keyword, I believe. So because you typically, that would mean it's a diff, if it's high, it would be a difficult keyword and you wouldn't necessarily target it for your new site. But if you don't care about ranking for that keyword, you can still create that content. And then suddenly you have a lot of people who are linking to this type of content and you just go through all these pages put them in Ahrefs, get the people linking to them, and then that is your, your big prospect list. And the prospecting for this, it's very easy to scale very quickly to the point where you can start generating thousands of prospects 
quickly. You then need to, to reach out to them and, and say, hey, you know, you link to here. Can you link to me as well? Obviously, you need to In be a, a better bit way, more, yeah. <laughs> more um, creative. I, I will receive that than, email than, at some than, point, than, you know? Than that. And I will say that like when we started doing this four or five years ago, it was it was insane. We were getting like seven percent of messages we we're sending resulting in in links with like no negotiation. I think the niche we were doing it in was was just particularly good it at it easy. and not so many people were doing it at the time. Nobody was doing skyscraper properly. Yeah. yeah. But that's I mean, a lot more people are doing it these days. Uh, and it just flat out doesn't work in 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 some niches like finance and travel, I hear is pretty bad. Good job well. on the on the blueprints. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, but as a process, it still works for, in some niches. I, I just want to reestablish that. I made a joke because people would take it and say it doesn't work anymore. Still works in some niches, but in some no, niches, I mean, it's quite difficult. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, we still do. And th this is why I put it last because I think you'd be good to build up some more tactile experience and actually doing outreach, crafting templates, doing negotiation before you start sending uh, skyscraper outreach because you kind of have to be. Uh, more on the top of your game for it to be effective. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, I mean, again, how many, what's the percentage of people that now are asking for money? For a skyscraper, it's, it's actually even higher. I'd say it's like 60, 70% of people ask for money these so days. So if we were paying, we'd get a lot of things, right? Yes. And if you just want to find a lot of prospects, which you can quickly, you know, spend 40 bucks, get a half decent link, then I think this is a great strategy. If you're brand new and you don't have the budget for that, then again, you might want to wait till your start site starts to take off a little bit more. Maybe you have make a few hundred bucks a month and you can start paying for some of these these expenses because otherwise very quickly you can get out of pocket. You know why? Because it's low barrier to entry. Because skyscraper doesn't even require to write content. And that was one of the power of this. It's like not only could you mass outreach to people and get strong answer from people, but on top of that, you don't even have to expense any other resource than the fact that you're emailing people, which is well, you, very, you, you very You have cheap. to write the skyscraper article, so the, the one that you're basing off of. But that's like, you're, you're right. I mean, we've had cases where we've had more than 100 links to, to one article. Exactly. Whereas if we need to do that with guest posting, we'd have to write 100 articles. 100 guest posts, 100, exactly. 100 times, not 100 times more work. It's probably like 25 times more work because we put more effort into a skyscraper post. But you get the picture. But you know, the day, the day I saw Mailshake, I was like, I know. <laughs> I know where this is going. And it's like, yeah, it's like the, the, the resource cost is so low. And yeah, you can get 100 links to uh, one given article. And it's like, and that's the thing, right? It's like, let's say, let's say you pay 20 bucks per link. Let's say, like, let's imagine you were paying for that. Still cheaper than doing guest posting, right? Like, buy quite a lot because then your marginal cost per link is much lower than, the, than creating a piece of content, especially if you're outsourcing. But yeah, that's why Skyscraper has taken off like crazy. That's why we receive dozens of emails per day of, of literally sending the stuff. You know, in some niches, it hasn't been affected so much. And I think, but I think in most of the big affiliate niches, it's very, very saturated at this point and it's very difficult. I would still do it, but I would say while you have a, like, first of all, how are you never need to pay? Guest post, you can definitely get a lot of guest posts without paying. Skyscraper now is basically your success rate has diminished massively if you don't pay. And if you pay, you have a chance basically. So it's kind of like, you can see how like money is things up in link building. And basically if it doesn't, it costs you somewhere, basically. The only, yeah. that's why Haro is kind of like the lowest cost right now. And that's why I think this is the first one you recommend because you don't need to write a full article. You just need to write an answer. And an answer is like 100 to 200 words, right? Which is much cheaper than writing like a thousand words articles. I mean. It is in that sense. And I know I know what you're saying about like the, you don't have to pay much the resources, money for it. You know? But it's difficult, it's, in a different, them, yeah. it's difficult in a different way. It requires 
some kind of like strategic thought to your answers and your, yeah, your, your yeah. personality. With those other other tactics, if you really want with with skyscraper, you can send like a standard template answer. You can have a an average an average art like article that you you know get from text broker or something, and you can pay money and you can get links. Like yeah, there's not the same quality standards that you absolutely have to have with your your Haro answer. So it's difficult to overcome that if you're and you have to pay for it if you want to outsource it. So it's like. That you can see how it's like a resource management thing. It's either going to cost you time or money, basically, to get links. It's like because they have a commercial value, they make money to websites that have them. Therefore, people pay for are willing to pay for them. It's like pretty much any other business and how it works. And so, and so you will pay with your time or you will pay with your money. If you have more time than money, then guest posting is probably your best guess uh, together with Howrow and spending time on this. And if you have more money than time, it's probably going to be a mix of skyscraper and guest posting adding money on top, basically. And you can mix like you can mix all these strategies together in, in, in yeah, many yeah. ways. Like I've seen people who will literally just outreach to every single website they can find. They'll build build like database of hundreds of thousands. I'm sure. Saying, hey, I want to buy a link from you. And a percentage of them will re- respond back with a with a price and they'll 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 start doing it. And you can do that. It's gonna get at least some some levels. I haven't tried it, so I wouldn't estimate it, but you can kind of mix the best bits of different strategies depending on like what you're comfortable doing or not doing and figure it out that way. That's why I kind of like link building because you can like dial up and dial down certain areas. And it's like, it's all about finding the right mix of different processes and strategies and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. If you were paying for links, would you pay more for a skyscraper or a guest post link? That's an interesting question as well, because you kind of have to factor in your cost of content. So is it and is it going to? Do you then pay more for a skyscraper link because like the market equilibrium price is based on total cost of acquiring a link? Or if a website's accepting guest posts for fifty bucks, I would think they would probably also be up for just like adding a link to an existing article for fifty bucks. It's like it's easier for them; they're still getting the money. So I don't know. Okay, there's one thing you forget is the authority of the pages that link to you. When you do that, you could literally find the highest authority page on the site yeah. or like the mix of authority and relevance, like the best crossover on yeah. that site to your site. And so I actually believe skyscraper links are worth more provided, provided they're like relevant and on pages that receive links. But there's also there's some counter argument to that, which is that very often when you add links to existing pages, they take forever for Google to even realize that a link was added. And we see that, yeah. right? Like, look at how long it takes to index the links we do from regular skyscraper without paying. It's the same thing, essentially. And it's like, it feels like guest posts kind of like have more of a bump effect when you publish them versus skyscraper that like takes a longer time really to see. And it's kind of like blending in with everything you, you're doing recently. It's harder to see the effect. So I guess it depends. Do you need authority or do you need relevance? Because with a guest post, you can also write about a topic that's more relevant to what you want to rank. And I think that also has some power. And uh, but like, so that works really well. Let's say if you have a high authority site already, let's say you have 50 plus and you have a new page that you want to rank. I would say maybe I would take a guest post that has that is about what I want to rank for. Whereas if my site is low DR, I would maybe pick a, a link on like a page that receives a lot of links so that it passes more authority to my site. So I get 
some domain level authority building mixed with links to page. You know, there's a bit of both, but it's uh, I think it's quite interesting. And depending on the conditions, I guess uh, you might pay more. But I think you can get higher value probably from skyscraper links, but they will take longer to kick in. So anything else on skyscraper? Do you want to make it this a two hour podcast or or not? No, this has certainly been a long one. And thank you to stay to the end of the show on your Christmas holiday vacation. Christmas, New Year, whatever. We appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed our uh, our ramblings on, on LinkedIn. We did not steal um, Christmas this year, <laughs> unlike Canada. Anyway, anything else? Any any final words of wisdom? Anything else? Well, actually, yeah. I, I just want to wish all our, our viewers, our listeners, anyone who's followed us this year, uh, a happy new year. And uh, I hope 2021 is a, a prosperous year for, for all your websites. Yeah, let's see how it goes. Definitely no gift <laughs> for me, though. Don't expect anything. <laughs> this guy, <laughs> anyway. honestly. Thanks for listening. We hope you got some value in terms of building links to your new sites. I think, yeah, there's some quite interesting stuff to talk about. As you heard, we will be experimenting with a lot of new stuff next year. So we will be reporting and be transparent. As I said, like I've always said, when we change our stance on things, we'll just tell people publicly. And so like, this is it, basically. It's like, well, we're not really sure. And we're not definitely not going to do that for every site we work on. But we will at least, you know, you know, kind of like when you have a cold swimming pool and you just put your foot in, foot in just to feel the temperature of the Check is not right? too cold, yeah. So that's basically what we're going for, but we'll be reporting on that. We'll be talking about this openly. Like we have talked about openly about pretty much everything we've done so far. Thank you for following us. And if you want to learn more about getting started with new authority sites, we are actually launching the new version of the authority site system. Literally took us six months to shoot last year or this year, I guess. Uh, yeah, this year. We started in June, we finished just recently. Over 200 video, really like the biggest project we've ever taken in terms of building premium content for Authority Hacker. We're quite proud of it. It comes with a new case study site in there as well. It comes with pretty much everything is new, except the community. The community is still the same people. We didn't kick everyone out and bring new people. It's the same people. So if you're in test, don't worry, you have it. Uh, you will have it as well. But it is coming out. When is it coming out, Mark? On Sunday. On Sunday. So, the so on third. Sunday, people can join in and get access to a brand new course with all that new stuff and a lot of the stuff we talked about on this podcast, plus a lot, a lot, a lot more. So thank you for listening. We'll see you next week for another episode and have a good New Year's Eve. And yeah, be safe. Bye. Bye.